The world is a fearful place. We are surrounded by people and things that would do us harm. Some walk among us every day, while others lurk in the shadows, a threat unknown. Join us as we discuss all of the things that frighten us most, from the paranormal and unknown, to the true and horrific crimes committed by our very own kind. With Matt Knapp and Lauren Smith on, on Planet, Planet Fear. Fear. story about my mom like either pranking them or scaring them or them being hurt and her laughing like uncontrollably like I just did <laughs> my brother got the worst of it so my brother is 12 years older than me okay so that makes him even older than you which is pretty old so you're just really young um no I don't yeah you're just really I am a really mature young. woman with two kids and a mortgage you're a teen mom I am not I'm 33 years old <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> no so anyway my brother got the worst of it though because my mom really was a teen mom when she had him okay she was 17 when she had him so at the time that I came around this kid was 12 years old right she was awful she would like like one time my favorite thing she ever did and this was just like the tip of the iceberg of things she did to him she unscrewed the light bulb at the top of the stairs so the whole stairwell was dark and she put a mannequin at the top of the stairs and then so he had to like walk up these dark stairs and then there's this man sitting there what he thought was a man and he like almost fell down the stairs he was so terrified and this is just like stuff my mom did thought was hilarious and i am definitely that way i have more than once videoed myself hiding behind a door and when my child ran through like jumping out and scaring the daylights out of them it keeps them healthy you know like my favorite thing to do back when she was younger was i maddie takes exceptionally long showers maddie is my stepdaughter i do that too (laughs) my shortest shower is 20 minutes minimum she has started locking the door Oh, no. Because the light switch is right by the door. Yes, you're so mean. Oh. And there is also a ventriloquist dummy that we have had to put up in the top of the hall closet because she was terrified of it. I can see Because of Slappy from Goosebumps. Is that right? Slappy, I think was his name. I read the books. I didn't watch the show. I was too old for that. So (laughs) she would go to the bathroom. And I would like set it across from the bathroom door. That's so whenever she awful, it, it was like sitting right there, like staring at her. That's terrible. Yeah, it was. We also got Leslie really well. Kyle put on a clown mask. No. And we had this uh, one of those storage containers that you rent and put in your driveway. Oh, that's terrible. And it was facing, we were cleaning out the garage at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like facing towards the garage, away from the street. <laughs> I can just shake my head. Like, I'm just shaking like, my head it, right now. It was a beautiful setup. I mean, oh. beautiful. Like, Kyle put on the clown mask. I had him go out the back door quietly. And then I came into the living room at the opposite end of the house. And I'm like, telling Leslie, I was like, did you lock the door? on the storage unit and she was like no and i was like well, you, you gotta lock the door just go put the padlock on it and i convinced her to go out there and lock the door oh gosh well kyle was standing in between the garages our garage and the next door neighbor's garage in the dark no oh, no and she went out there and like went into the storage unit 
to like move some stuff back before shutting the door and didn't even see him, didn't even notice him standing there. So that made it worse. And then whenever she eventually turns around and he's just like standing in the dark in a clown mask, I swear you could have heard her scream all throughout the neighborhood. Awful. Oh, it was hilarious. It was so funny. Terrible. I mean, I would have laughed, but it's also very terrible because I mean, she literally could have ninja chopped her child. It was a blood curling (laughs) scream. Like, straight out of the movies. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, as awful as it is to prank your own family members and laugh when they get hurt, this story that we have for you guys tonight... Jeez. Is ten times You're just going to buzzkill it like that? I'm just going to buzzkill it like (laughs) that. Wow. Yeah, your punchline? Wow. Sorry. Here we go. Okay. Familial murder. This... I mean, not just this particular case, but just the idea of killing it. I mean, so I get it. Like, people can get really pissed off at family members. And, you know, the more you love someone or care about them or the closer you are to them, the easier it is for them to upset you. So I I get that part of rage and anger. Mm -hmm. But the idea of killing killing your family mm-hmm. not just like we're not talking some distant relative. this isn't a third cousin here yeah. your immediate family this isn't that aunt that you know always pinches your cheeks or right. you know this isn't a relative that stole from you this is like your brothers and sisters your little kids it's insane and the fact that it happened here i mean here like broken arrow oklahoma I remember when it happened. I remember when I remember when the news broke. Me too. Yeah. And it was like listening because like at first they weren't really saying what was going on. Right. And they're like, you know, something's happened. A family's dead. Mm -hmm. And then they've found not everybody's dead. Some of them are alive. Mm -hmm. And then they say the words they've taken the brothers Mm -hmm. into custody. At first, they tried to just pin it on the older brother. Mm -hmm. They didn't. They said that the younger one, they didn't know if he was involved or not or if he was guilty. Um, And also they they had, you know, just like any news story, they had some facts in the beginning. They had little facts in the beginning um, and wrong facts. So they, you know, the person that made the 911 call, that wasn't accurate at first. Um, The survivors weren't accurate at first, um, even though there were only two, that kind of thing. So the story kind of took years to play out with the court cases and everything Um, a lot went on during those years too so kind of take it from the top all right and let's just work our way through it let's let's get into it and uh you know i just want to like add real quick that you know we may make jokes and laugh and stuff but you know in no way are we meaning to disrespect what happened or the family members or anything like that no absolutely not this is kind of just our way of coping on july 22nd through the 23rd, 2015, five members of the Bever family were murdered in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Now, two of the members survived, um, a two-year-old girl and a 13-year-old girl. The 13-year-old girl would later identify her two brothers, Robert, who was 18, and Michael, who was 16, as the assailants. Around 11.30 p.m. on that date, Police were called to 709 Magnolia Court by a 911 call made by 12-year-old Daniel Bever. The child stated that his brother was attacking the family. 
screaming, commotion, and male voices could be heard in the background before the line went dead. An attempt was made to reach David Bever with no success, and police were dispatched. When the first officers arrived on the scene, they actually found blood all around the porch of the residence. They knocked and were able to hear a faint voice calling for help from inside, and they forced their way inside the house. Upon entry, they immediately found Crystal Bever, the 13-year-old, bleeding from multiple stab wounds. They removed her from the home and they went back in. There, they found the rest of the family, including the 12-year-old who made the phone call, dead. However, there was a two-year-old girl that was found upstairs unharmed. Her name was Autumn. Crystal was critically injured but survived. She then pointed the cops to her brothers, saying that they were guilty, basically. What happened next is the boys had fled the scene through the back door of the house when the police arrived, and they headed into the wooded area behind the property. They were apprehended quickly with the use of the canine unit, and they were arrested without incident, although the older one, Robert, was armed with a knife at the time of his arrest. One of the brothers spontaneously uttered that plans for the killings were stored on a flash drive inside the home. This flash drive was later retrieved by police when they searched the home for a second time. They also recovered computer equipment and video surveillance cameras, which they believe recorded the familia side, um, as they were located near where three of the victims' bodies were found. If this isn't already heinous enough, the brothers, it turns out, had been planning this for a long time. So they were sitting in their room going over these in-depth, lengthy plans to murder their entire family. Um, But they didn't just stop with wanting to murder their entire family. They wanted to go on a spree killing. So they planned to kill their family steal the family car, shoot and kill five random people each at multiple locations, and eventually achieve a body count of at least 50 people. But it gets worse. An officer who interviewed the older one, Robert, stated that Robert admired serial killers and hoped to strike in locations outside of Oklahoma and wanted to achieve a body count of up to 500 people or more. Yeah, this kid wanted to be famous. He wanted to be famous for the worst reasons. I mean... and. He convinced his brother to go along with it. As if all of this isn't horrible enough. And they actually found a shipment of boxes containing a total of 3,000 rounds of ammunition. And they also investigated, you know, social media accounts belonging to Robert and everything else. But the thing that makes this so much worse than they murdered their family was how they did it. Yeah. They were in their room and they were discussing their lengthy plans when Crystal, the 13-year-old, walked in on them. From what I hear, they were not prepared for her to walk in on them at that time. They weren't ready. It was just one of those situations like she walks in and she's like, what are you guys talking about? So what ended up happening is, and, and you know, if you are sensitive to stuff, you probably shouldn't listen to this show, but also go ahead and cover your ears. So um, they slit her throat and stabbed her in the arms and stomach. Now, they stabbed her in the stomach so badly that she was losing her internal organs through the stab wounds. And this is her, their sister. And this is their 13-year-old sister. At one point, she actually tried to crawl outside. I'm guessing this is when they were busy with the other family members. Mm-hmm. And they found her and dragged her back inside, which is how the blood ended right. up around the porch. Yeah. So, if that's not awful enough, they gathered the younger children, 
and they herded them into the bathroom and shut the door and i believe it was the younger brother yeah the younger brother michael he he lured them in by saying that uh robert was trying to kill them and come on we have to hide from him i'll protect you everybody get in the bathroom Mm -hmm. and he got them in there and locked the door behind them and that's where he started stabbing them yes and he was 16 now all of the deaths happened by stabbing which as we know is a more intimate and personal form of murder and you know so they they killed the children and then they killed the parents so knives hatchets and other bladed objects and protective gear were found inside the home not all the objects were used in the killings However, I want to let you know, when I say it was personal and it was intimate, to me, using a knife is, you know, obviously a very, you're you're upset. Mm -hmm. You want to hurt this person and you want to cause that harm. So let me tell you, the dad, David, was stabbed 28 times. The mother, April, was stabbed 48 times. Daniel, the 12-year-old, was stabbed nine times. Christopher, the seven-year-old, was stabbed six times. And the five-year-old, Victoria, she was stabbed 18 times. That's the one that stood out the most to me. Yes, five-year-old. And that is hard to hear. That's hard That's hard to hear, much less hard to think. How much rage could you have had in your system to perpetrate all those stabbings, much less one? Well... So the plans that they discussed, you know, that later came on out about them wanting to go on this killing spree or whatever, they didn't plan on getting away with any of this. They wanted recognition for Mm -hmm. it. So whenever you add that to the equation of they weren't killing their siblings so they could get away with the murders and not be ratted out, they wanted everybody dead. They wanted to kill everybody. Yeah. Robert actually confessed later. He confessed to committing the familicide. He claimed that he and his brother had planned the act for some time and intended to commit a shooting spree outside the family, hoping it would rival and even outdo the 1999 Columbine High School massacre. He later confessed that he and his brother planned to dismember the bodies of their family, place them in storage bins, and hide them in the attic of their home. He also stated that they planned to steal the family car and, of course, go shoot everybody, you know. They were actually going to make two videos, one depicting the bodies of their family that would be shown to investigators and prosecutors, and the other without the bodies that could be posted online. That's just... I mean, they thought long and hard about this. Yeah. There was no... I'm super mad you grounded me and I can't see my girlfriend and, you know, because I got an F on my right, Spanish homework. Right. Like, this is not, this was not, this was a, a well thought was out. going on in that yeah, house. That's true, and, yes. And the details of the family, all the kids being homeschooled and sheltered and, mm-hmm. you know, not really allowed to play with any other kids or anything. Yes. Uh, I mean, some people would say that right there is a sign of abuse. Mm-hmm. But there was other accusations of abuse that were never proven. But there was clearly there had to have been something that triggered all of this other than just I want to be famous for being a killer. 
No, I agree. Um, so the neighbors, you know, they said that the parents homeschooled their children. They kept a close eye on them, restricting them from mingling with the neighbors or other children. The family's lifestyle was reported to be inconspicuous. Um, some of the neighbors hadn't even known their full names until the medical examiner, re- examiner I'm sorry, released them. The neighbors also had noted the strange and unsettling behaviors of Robert and Michael. Defense attorneys stated that David Bever was physically and verbally abusive towards his children, according to Crystal Bever's testimony. Robert Bever also claimed that his parents were hateful and abusive to all of him and to him and all of his siblings. You know, I find it interesting that the dad was stabbed 28 times and Mm -hmm. the mother was stabbed 48 times. Right. The the father uh, was accused by the children of being abusive and mean and Mm -hmm. this tyrant. Yes. But nothing was ever said about the mother, but they stabbed her more than anyone. Yes. Yeah. Oftentimes when there are abusive situations with, you know, a dad, usually the children end up being more upset with a mother because she didn't stand up for them as a mother should. This is the other adult. You're Mm -hmm. my mom. Why are you letting this happen? You're supposed to protect me. And, you know, you didn't. So, yeah, it's it's. And then whenever you add the the cameras, the the camera footage. Mm hmm. That's kind of, to me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, it's kind of weird to have all those cameras on the inside of the house. Yeah. I mean, security systems have those, you know, and I'm not sure how big the home was, you know, um, but I can't imagine. It just seemed kind of like they were under a very watchful eye, Mm -hmm. which is also kind of surprising because a lot of the influence, uh, or at least the apparent influence behind uh, Robert's behavior came from the internet mm-hmm. and he ordered all this stuff off the internet. Mm-hmm. One would think like, how, how? Right. you know, if this dad was the warden that they claim mm-hmm. cameras everywhere, you know, you're not allowed to go anywhere mm-hmm. and you're able to, I mean, boxes and boxes of ammunition. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, Robert was 18 so he was a legal adult, so he could do all this. But it's just really surprising to me that he was able to manipulate the situation and set it all up the way he did. No, I agree. But that's the thing that you hear so much about kids who are sheltered or overprotective parents is kids are sneaky. And whenever a helicopter parent is, you know, overprotective, kids find a way and they will find a way to sneak around and get stuff done. Regardless of what the parent does to keep Mm -hmm. that from happening. I mean, from my own history as a teenager um, to, you know, it seems like the friends I had that partied the hardest were teacher's kids and pastor's kids. Right. Every time. Hands down. the, The preacher's daughter. I'm sorry, but she would be doing keg stands before anybody else. But there's a difference in doing a keg stand and stabbing your five-year-old sister. Absolutely, you know this is the boys were so close in age, and they were the oldest, and obviously, you know, not allowed to hang out with other kids, and just I think repressed. I think they were each other's lives. I think so too, and I think they just had this, you know, awful. Something was going on in that house. I mean, I can't. This is all just my opinion, right? And I certainly, like you said we mean no disrespect to anybody mm-hmm. uh in my opinion something very bad was going on inside that house and the younger brother looked up to his older brother as a protector and a guidance and they had each other's backs and this was the plan 
I think if I remember correctly, the family had been out bowling that night and had just gotten home from bowling at like 1030 and everybody was kind of like winding down and getting ready for bed. And then the sister walked in. I just and I don't have any details on whether they were going to implement it that night or they were just still planning. I imagine if they just they hadn't even gotten the rounds yet. The rounds came the next day, the 3,000 rounds of ammo. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm remembering it correctly. It seems like I remember reading something about Robert was wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. And his brother was like nervous and no, not yet. You know, let's wait. And then she walked in. So, you know, the killings were the worst criminal event in Broken Arrow history. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been through the Tulsa riots and everything, and not to downplay those, that this you know, Tulsa has high crime. Absolute we're, massacre. We're not saying Tulsa doesn't have high crime. It has really high crime yeah. and bad roads. But Broken Arrow, the little suburb off of Tulsa, it has crime, but nothing like this. Uh, Broken Arrow is one of those suburbs where families move out of Tulsa there to get away from things that happen in Tulsa. Yes. So the brothers were charged with five counts of first degree murder and one count of assault and battery with intent to kill. On July 25th, authorities announced that Michael Bever would be charged as an adult. The conviction of first degree murder carries the punishment of life imprisonment or death penalty. However, the Tulsa County District Attorney stated that Michael Bever will be exempt from a death sentence since he was under the age of 18 at the time of the familicide. Bever's attorney argued against the constitutionality of the decision to try Bever as an adult, stating his client will die in prison, and that's the same thing as the death penalty. He also tried to argue that Bever should be rehabilitated, rehabilitated, I'm sorry, instead of imprisoned if he was physically and emotionally abused at home, although no evidence actually indicated any abuse ever occurring in the Bever home. The brothers were arraigned in court on August 3rd. They pleaded not guilty to the charges filed against them, and a preliminary hearing was set for October 28th. The date was later changed to October 9th, and then later to January 22nd. And again, changed to February 23rd. I remember all that happening. And I remember just like, I was just speechless because I'm like, just the kids did it. Let's go. Like how, what is there to change? It was almost like people were trying to find excuses not to prosecute them. Now, while all this was happening, I will say Robert Bever actually tried to commit suicide by hanging himself with a sheet while he was in jail. Um, One of the officers was walking by on a, a security check and found him and they got him down and he was unharmed so that was before the court hearings and everything in the actual prison and all that so he was in jail but uh even there i mean (laughs) nobody wants to go to jail i'm not condoning going to jail Mm -hmm. but killing your little brothers and sisters is not something you want to go to jail for you're not going to be treated fairly by the other people in jail no uh, so I don't know if the act of trying to hang himself was out of remorse or out of fear that other inmates were going to well be way worse on him. The hanging actually occurred in 2016. So he tried to hang himself. This was a year after all of the um, after he was sentenced and everything. Yeah, that's a long time for it to be over remorse. Yeah. I think it just settled in how, you know, how long he was going to have to stay in there. Or maybe he just went on suicide watch to, 
you know, get away from the other inmates. I don't know. Probably when the inmates found out that he, you know, killed a little girl who was five, but you know, I, st- um, I still, I just, I can't, I, I can't, know, I can't either. You know, I have siblings, step siblings, half siblings. Um, there are plenty of times I got into fights with them where stuff got physical and I wanted to rip their hair out. But I never once wanted to end their lives, you know. I mean, there's been horrible cases where parents have killed their children. For sure. And siblings. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen The Good Son. The movie messed me up. (laughs) (laughs) Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood. Man, that movie. Let me tell you. Sometimes there are just bad kids, but... But this isn't holding a pillow over your sister's head. No, this was violent and full of rage. And the defense attorneys, at one point, they actually asked for people to um, desensitize the family's deaths a little bit. Like they asked for, oh, how did they, they worded it? Um, They wanted people to stop feeling as sorry for the family. And that's when they came out with the, the... cases for abuse they said they asked the judge to limit sympathy for the deceased they filed a series of motions on their client's behalf which addresses the issues such as you know display of grief buttons and visible emotion during trial and such as that because they didn't want people to be swayed by Mm -hmm. how upset people were over the family dying yeah it's just what the hell was going on i know and then um robert the older one he they claim that Robert laughed while describing the attacks, um, and he told people he told the cops that killing more than one person made him like a god. They what? I mean, they had planned this. They wanted to be famous for this. And you were telling me what they found in the younger brother, who was sixteen. Uh, yeah. What they found in his cell I after actually, all this. I actually read <laughs> his actual handwritten statement on the police report, and it's just. Like reading, you know, like write down the events of your day. It was like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he kept a journal while he was awaiting trial and everything that he would draw pictures in and write things in. And everything was just, it was like KKK, white power, Satan rules, mm-hmm. you know all hell satan and then like stick figures of like his family's graves and like stabbing his parents in the head and like things like that it was all like very very disturbing stuff just almost like it was like over the top right you know like they're not they're trying to be famous for this and they're trying to really drive it home right yeah. you know well we Get got attention. caught before we got to do all the rest of the killings mm-hmm. so like writing things about you know Uh, other serial killers that they idolized drawing pictures of them like they were like icons to them you know like how people look at musicians and professional athletes that's how they looked at serial killers especially children teenagers and the younger serial killers they were just enamored by them and that's who they wanted to be and i'm not downplaying it like if they would have gone out on their spree killing it would have been just as awful but to murder your family first before going and killing everyone else like it's just except for the two-year-old except for the two-year-old which i guess was originally in their plans Mm -hmm. to murder her but she was left unharmed and asleep in her crib upstairs insane 
Insane. Um, after all of this happened, you know, Crystal, the 13 year old, she was critically injured, but she survived. Um, she has since changed her name. Um, after all this happened, actually, Crystal and Autumn went into state custody. And then um, Crystal at least changed her name and she has never spoken out publicly about this. So, I mean, it. it I mean, she was 13. Yeah. And. Uh, I believe it was the paramedic talking about it, uh, the testimony that he gave when it, the first paramedic that arrived on the scene entered the house, trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, they find Crystal. She's still alive. And he said the uh, lacerations to her abdomen were so bad that, like, they were literally holding her guts and stuff back in while they were, like, putting her on the stretcher and taking her to the ambulance. They, they didn't kill her. They didn't succeed in killing her. Not that they didn't try. They didn't succeed in killing her, but she will live with the scars and the reminders every day for the rest of her life. I mean, it's, it's I, horrible. I can't imagine that. It's horrible. You know, and then, you know, the little girl, Autumn, she's, you know, seven now. I mean, what happens like when she grows up and she's yeah. like, what happened to my family? You yeah. Know? Why did my brothers do this? If she even knows, if they even tell her. You know, it could, the foster parents have every right to never disclose that. Right. I mean, we have no idea. And I mean, I think that's the right thing to protect them as much as possible. You know, the two surviving victims in this incident. So good news. The the silver lining here of this story, but not. In March March 18th, 2017, the vacant Bever home caught on fire. And they were not able to determine the cause of the fire, but this house burned to the ground. Yeah. Actually, so that happened, but right before that, probably in mid-February 2017, uh, Broken Arrow City Council announced a plan to raise money through the Tulsa Community Foundation for the acquisition of the Bever family home. They were going to buy it from the mortgage company um, and the lending company, and they were going to... When they got enough funds, they were going to tear the house down and in its place, a memorial park and garden titled the Bever Family First Responders Memorial Park would be created. Um, But again, the house was destroyed in a fire on March 18th. Yeah, somebody burn it down. How handy. (laughs) And then March 27th. 2019, a reflection park was dedicated in an official ceremony, and a path meanders through a knoll of grass where the Bever House once stood. Now, I live here. Mm-hmm. I have never once been to that park. I mean, because can you call it a park? I mean, but I just I can't imagine like taking my favorite book and a bottle of water and going and sitting in the grass. Where people were murdered to yeah. reflect upon life. That is just, I mean, like, I'm into true crime and murder, but going there, that's just not something that appeals to me. Well, I'm a firm believer of, like, let's go ahead and get rid of that property. You know. Like, burn the place down. For sure. But then let's just, like, pave her over or something. Like, Put a parking lot know. there of some kind. <laughs> a basketball court. Like, not a reflecting park. Where I mean, I've seen pictures of it. It's, like, all done up with, like, a yeah. plaque and, like, a gazebo yeah. to sit in and everything. Kind of weird because it's, like, a cul-de-sac community. It's not... Yeah. It, it, like, people, what, they drive into this, these, this neighborhood with all these neighbors and then they sun themselves in this oh what a beautiful park. park it does it has a gazebo and like looks like a water fountain and yeah 
I mean, and there's homes around this. Right. Like, what? <laughs> Can you imagine the story? Like, you know, I mean, why, why is that park there? Well, you see. Oh, okay. There's actually a park behind the property that they wanted to merge it with. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes a little more sense, so but still. So it's like an entryway from the neighborhood and to a park. Yeah. To I, memorialize I the mean, heinous stabbings of an entire family by two crazy little yeah. kids. I mean,. I guess I'm glad that they did something natural with the park. There are other homes there. It's just weird to me, you know. Yeah. What does that do for property value? I right. I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> like, there's no good answer to the to the situation. I think you know the city of Broken Arrow. They did the best they could, especially after it miraculously caught fire. But I oh my gosh. I mean, I get it. <laughs> you 50, know. I mean, fifty thousand dollars is the fundraising goal that they were trying to meet and they they met it and they turned it into a memorial garden. Well, yeah, they met it. I mean, <laughs> it's not exactly a Kickstarter that people wouldn't get behind. I mean, yeah. the situation would be horrible wherever it happened. But the fact that it happened in Broken Arrow, I mean, honestly, what do you expect? You know, they didn't yeah. know what to do. They're like, Let's put a gazebo up in a park bench. Okay. <laughs> so people can go reflect here on yeah. their lives. Is that in our budget? No. How their your family's problems, especially around the holidays, everybody just be thankful that your family's yeah. problems are not these families' problems. Yeah. You know, as much as you really hate your Uncle Philip and his political views and his anti-masking rhetoric, it's just not as bad as this. Not even close. Not even close. But, so here's a fun fact. Broken Arrow police detective Gayla Adcock actually tendered her resignation from the agency amid claims that she mishandled evidence. Uh, court records indicate that Adcock was an was the affiant on multiple search warrants related to the seizure of multiple electronic items from the Bevers residence. I remember that. News. I, I never I, I, heard I rem- about that. I remember that news story. I don't Because remember. I remember specifically having the thought... You're kidding me. They're going to mistrial this. Oh, yeah. But it didn't happen. Yeah. But I just thought, oh, I can't. They're going to let these kids out. I was was worried about that. I was worried about the younger one getting away with it. I was worried about them being like, well, he was 16. He was manipulated. It was, you know, victim, survivor, whatever. And that's not something. I mean, whenever they were talking about rehabilitation for him and everything. That's a nice thought. That's a very happy, nice thought. And that's what the system is supposed to do. Right. There's no way you can rehabilitate from stabbing your family to death. Uh, you know, and maybe if like, not not even then. I was going to say, you know, if there were less stab wounds, but it, it, even one stab wound to me, if I have enough hate to literally push steel through skin, which is actually harder than people think it is. I I wouldn't know on a human body, but I mean, you know, when you stab something, it's hard. And the amount of times that they did that, I I mean, they had to, there were two of them and they're young teenage boys. So they just have lots of energy and and all that anyway. But I, I just can't imagine, like they just had to have been so full of rage because that's not including how many times they stabbed Crystal and slit her throat and all that. Mm-hmm. 109 stab wounds between Jeez. the five family members who passed away. 109 times they stabbed the family members. That is a lot of rage. 
according to all those true crime series out there that I've never watched that I've never watched ever <laughs> because only this one is worth listening to um, clearly anyways the <laughs> They always talk about how stabbing is the most personal and most angry way of killing someone mm-hmm. because it's very visceral. You feel the knife going in. Mm-hmm. You're looking at them. You know, it, it's the length of a knife. Yeah. I just can't get over it, though. Another fun fact is that the jury pool was the largest jury pool in recent Tulsa County District Court history, beginning with 100 candidates to select a final panel of 11 women and three men. Now, to me, you put a bunch of women on a jury about children dying and being murdered, there's no chance. There's no chance in hell for these guys. Mm -mm. I mean, whether those women had kids or not, women are maternal, mostly. They're going to look at the other kids. They're Yeah, they're the surviving kids, the kids that passed. I mean, even if Michael and Robert were abused, such as the claims were. Let me ask you this. If Crystal had not survived, would the trial have gone differently where she wasn't able to testify? I mean, I don't think so because the kids weren't trying to get away with it. They were all about... I mean, if 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 she hadn't pointed the finger at them they still were planning on videoing the bodies and then a separate video without the bodies to post online and chopping them up and, and chopping putting them, them into up. storage containers yeah and putting so them they in had their more attic. time to kill more people yes so i mean i think anyway you you look at it they were anyway you <laughs> it was slice be it. Bad. yeah and if you look at the pictures online of michael and robert bever you know the crazy harry potter look oh my god (laughs) seriously they look like harry potter on crack an assortment (laughs) of drugs like a a very bad drug cocktail um that they've been doing for a while yeah um especially robert he just looks like the kind of guy that would stab you or slice you open or do very bad things to you and smile the entire time he did it. Which is exactly what he did, apparently. Yes. Um, Michael, he looks less crazy, less unstable, and more pissed off. To me, Michael... And full of rage. To me, Michael was going in and out of it. Like, he would have these moments, maybe because he was a couple years younger, I don't know. But he'd have these moments where it seemed like, oh man, what have I done? Mm-hmm. And then he would go back to like, nope, glad I did it. I mean, Michael, he, yeah, I mean, he did have moments of where he said, like, at one point he told the Tulsa County District Judge, every minute and every second, I've been thinking about what I could have done different and what life I could have had with my family. Again, we don't know if that was just him saying that to gain I leniency. I, mean, I believe it, but he's also the same guy that lured his siblings into the bathroom and locked the door and stabbed them to death. I, yeah. There's one picture of Robert where he had grown his hair out. Yeah, that's weird. He, honest to God, looks like a woman. And he looks like one of the women on one of the true crime shows that I never watch, obviously, <laughs> that, like, killed her own kids. Literally. I'm, I mean... I wasn't going to bring that up, 
but I saw the picture you're talking about, and it certainly looks like he's trying to make a transformation. He is, which there's nothing wrong with that. I have nothing at all. There's no like no problem with transgender anything like that. Nothing. And maybe but that was part of exactly. it. Exactly. Maybe that was you know he had you know tendencies or had expressed something or his dad had just tried to beat the whatever out of him. We don't know. We don't know. But I do find it interesting that the longer he is in jail and away from his father, the more his appearance morphed. And the younger brother, that didn't happen. Mm -mm. The younger brother, he actually grew up like he got, you know, his hair. He started fixing his hair for court, and yeah, you know well, that could have been his lawyers like putting it, a, it been. a personality on him. But Robert, like he, honest to God, I saw this picture and I was like, wow, that looks like a female version of Robert. No, that is Robert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that <laughs> um, is a female version of Robert. I mean, it's crazy. He uh, actually two staff members were standing in the day room at the Joseph Harp Correctional Center in Lexington and on July 15th and Robert Bever approached them from behind with a weapon and tr- and tried to stab them. What is with this guy? I know. He obviously didn't get his fill. Um, so one of the social services specialists wrapped Bever in a bear hug and ordered him to drop the weapon. Michael Bever actually ended up shaving his head. Well, he did write a lot of stuff about white power, uh-huh. and KKK. Yeah. A 3 2 r- ruling um, ensured that Michael's convictions and life sentences will stand. Though two appellate court judges noted Bever's term of incarceration is in, cr- in contrary to the jury's wishes and appears to violate the spirit of the U.S. Supreme Court's guidance on punishment for minors convicted of violent crimes. Oh, well. I know, right? <laughs> I, it's just really hard, you know, there have been situations where I've heard about children and younger people committing crimes where I did have a bit of sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. But this situation where you weren't getting the highlights on the national news, you were seeing it daily on your local right. news. People were talking about it everywhere you went. The girl, Crystal, mm-hmm. um, she was actually treated at the hospital I worked at. Wow. And I can say that because it was on the news. I'm not yeah. violating HIPAA and I don't work there anymore. But yeah, she was treated there. And so, it, I mean, it just hit very close to home. Yeah. And uh, these guys, I just don't have any sympathy for them. I don't. I mean, Robert attacked, you know, those security personnel. Yeah. And actually got additional life sentences because of it. So clearly he didn't learn his lesson. He was not sad. He was not, you know. Well, getting additional life sentences for attempting to attack a guard. Not even like getting away with it. Yeah. Like that should tell him something like, hey, kid, we're not messing with you. Yeah. Like you're done. Put the pointy jabby things away. <laughs> he's uh, He's got at least he's consistent, I guess. I mean, it's it's terrible. It's a terrible story. Not fun to talk about by any means, but very interesting as well because you just think about if I don't crack jokes, I start getting mad. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I get I get mad or upset, you know, but mostly mad just because being a psychology major, I'm just like sitting here thinking what could have been done to prevent this. Mhm. You know, um, if if they hadn't been homeschooled, if they had been in school and a teacher had seen some signs, somebody had been there, if they had been able to reach out and get help in some way, 
but they were homeschooled and they were stuck in this house and closely monitored and not allowed to mingle with anybody else. And I'm not making excuses for them in any way. But what if one of those factors were different and they had been able to get help and get what they needed to have an outlet, whether it be therapeutic or I don't know, sports or whatever. Uh, We have an axe throwing place around here. They (laughs) could have like literally gone and and went to Hard Knocks or whatever it's called, Hardwoods. What's it called? I don't know. I've been there. And you throw axes at the wall and it's a fabulous source of tension release, let me tell you. I went around the holidays and I've never been better. Better than a spa treatment. Have I ever mentioned that you're weird? Yeah, a little. (laughs) It was really fun. Okay, and not even just axes. Like they have, okay, okay, they have knives. They have ninja stars, which I don't know the actual name of at this time. And like you could chunk them into plywood. And I believe like, it's called shuriken. Yeah, I can't pronounce that, so I'm gonna go with ninja stars, ninja chop. But I don't think we're saying that. Like, look, if you homeschool your kids, you're a bad parent. And they're gonna stab you to death. Absolutely not, because I'm homeschooling my kids <laughs> right. right now. So Everybody I mean, is pretty much. And yes, I do want to stab things some days, but not my family members. <laughs> <laughs> but because of the environment, yes. if there was something going on that mm-hmm. we don't know about, this type of environment just helped conceal that. It did. You know, it, it's they weren't allowed to talk to anybody. They weren't allowed to venture out of their little home. There were seven of them in that house. Yeah. seven. There's four people in my house and two dogs. And it feels real crowded sometimes. And they had a they had a pretty large home. It, I saw the pictures. It was a beautiful home, but still seven people in a house. I have in laws yeah. that live in Broken Arrow that have approximately seven children. Mm-hmm. I'm not calling these people weird. I doubt they'll ever listen to the show. But just <laughs> no, but, but they homeschool their kids, right? And you know, there's. Eh, We'll just say they're they're a bit quirky. And whenever this story first broke, mm-hmm. not even gonna lie, I was like, <laughs> "What were their names? What was the family's oh, names?" No. That's awful. I know, right? <laughs> like that was my first reaction. I was like, "That's that's sad. Oh, no. that's how it happened." <laughs> That's awful. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not funny, but you know. Uh. Wonderful family, though. Uh, you know. Uh, they're all fine. They're great people. Great people. Fabulous. Quirky in a great way. They're unique. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just it's an awful story. It's made it. It shouldn't be more awful because it's so close to home, but it is. Because you think you know how people are generally around you, right? Like, in this part of Oklahoma, you think you know how people are and they are a certain way. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of stuff you hear about other places. Right. Not here. but Whoever you want to blame it on. The powers that be have done an excellent job in separating all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And we all have this mindset, you know, well, they're Oklahomans, they're Texans, they're New Yorkers, you know, we're all different. We don't make the connection that, no, we're all the same. Yeah. We're all the same people. It's just different locations. Bad things happen everywhere. So whenever something like this happens in your area, it does hit harder. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you usually hear about things happening somewhere else and it's easy to justify it by... 
oh well that's chicago yeah people die there all the time no that's mississippi they don't have anything to do but each other you know but that's just not true it's just not not. true i mean i think it's more sensationalized being other places but it's i don't know and maybe it's just here i don't know if it's just because here lately i finally perked up and started paying attention or or covid there's nothing to watch but every single true crime documentary ever made (laughs) but i feel like here lately netflix and other sources are picking up more and more of the rural stories there have been at least three on netflix that have happened in oklahoma murderer how to make a murderer that one happened in ohio i think minnesota michigan wisconsin wisconsin it was wisconsin (laughs) um somewhere up there that's not here obviously no we just lost all of our but northern no, but, but listeners and like you know have. the joe exotic story joe exotic he happened in oklahoma no there was another one though um it happened in i want to say like shawnee or enid i think it happened in enid or ponca city or something and it was like this whole town basically knew that this guy killed somebody oh yeah 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 Yeah, but nobody the town that committed murder yeah basically but nobody ever said anything and like they did it on that but they did it on another one in oklahoma uh um, well they're they're working on a big movie coming out about the girl scout murders that happened oh, here which i i'm sorry we're but going that, to do an entire episode thank god because that. that is the most fat awful terrible horrible heinous fascinating my story my uncle who is now deceased who is the judge may he rest in peace uh he didn't try that case or anything but he uh consulted Mm -hmm. on that case and our lake house growing up was right on the opposite side of the lake where that happened and it happened in the year i was born so if i remember correctly it's you yeah it's not me yeah clearly What's really crazy about that story, though, (laughs) is whenever you start digging really deep, you start hearing words like skinwalker being thrown around. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of takes it to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. But that's for another show. That's for another show. Because there's always those elements of nature murders that I'm like, missing 411 much. (laughs) Yeah, whatever that is. But yeah, there have been just a lot of more rural locations like our like oklahoma and stuff like that that have been picked up and and documentaries made it just goes to show you that bad stuff happens everywhere everywhere you know why safe. because we're living on a planet of fear that was very nicely executed sir that was thanks <laughs> so i hope you guys enjoyed this story tonight well, I, I guess that's not the right way to put it. I hope you guys enjoyed our banter and retelling of this really awful account. You know, it, it's not fun to talk about, but it is fascinating to hear just how awful people can be, I guess. So if you guys like this, go ahead and like, subscribe, follow, do whatever you got to do to give us some support on whatever platform you're listening to. Tell us what you thought about it in the comments. And also just drop us a line on what you want to hear on Planet Fear, because we have a lot of great content coming up for you guys. It is wide variety, y'all. If it is something fearful that happens on this planet, we are probably going to talk about it. So true crime is not where we stop. So you guys let us know what you want to hear and we will see y'all next time you said y'all twice (laughs) go ahead and show us some love on whatever platform you're using to listen 
And check out our website, planetfearpodcast.com, for ways to follow us on social media, contact info, and more.